Hey guys, this is Hans Hess. Thanks for joining me for my podcast. Um, we started this last week with the seven last sayings of Christ. I'm just dealing with three of these, however, and I'm just calling it famous last words. Today I want to deal with the uh, last saying of Christ on the cross from Matthew chapter 27. The Bible says in verse 45, Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour there was darkness all over the land. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What a lonely cry. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We know that this was an Old Testament psalm that Jesus was reiterating or quoting here, but it really speaks of the trial, the suffering that Christ was going through. Now, I know there are different interpretations of this passage, and uh, we'll look at some of the deeper meanings of it, but I, I just can't get away from the first thing that hits me when I read this is the intense suffering and sense of abandonment that Jesus felt on the cross. Was he God in flesh? Yes, he was God in flesh. Yes, he had performed miracles. Yes, he was born of a virgin. Yes, he was a perfect human being. Yes, he was tempted in all points as we are, yet without sin. But nevertheless, at these, these last moments of his life, he must have felt an incredible sense of abandonment, total abandonment. And he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? All through his life, Satan had tried to take Jesus out, or at least to divert him from his destiny. From the beginning, when he was born, Herod tried to kill all of the children in Bethlehem. Then later on, when he goes into the wilderness of temptation after being baptized, Satan comes and tempts him and tries to get him off his destiny, get him unfocused or, or focused on another another path, but he denied all of those. He rebuked Satan in the end, and he went on to do the Father's will. Then later on, we see him, for example, like in John chapter 6, where he's uh, he feeds the multitude, and then the multitude was desiring to make him king, and he saw this, and he sensed this, and so what did he do? He wasn't going to allow himself to be taken off of his destiny or off of his game plan, so he dispersed the crowd told the disciples to get into a boat, and he went up on a mountain alone to pray to the Father. Later on at Caesarea Philippi, Peter has this great revelation that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. But then just a few verses later, here he is. He's, he's trying to get Jesus not to go to Jerusalem, to not to go through all this suffering. And Jesus stands up and rebukes Satan, the spirit that was motivating Peter, because he was going to go through, he was going to go all the way to the cross. He was going to be the suffering servant. And then in the Garden of Gethsemane, he goes in those final moments of his life and he prays until his sweat becomes as great drops of blood. And there he's wrestling with the Father's will. I mean, he's, I, I, just, I just can't help but believe he was just the, in his humanness. He was wrestling with this whole decision, with this whole commitment, everything that was on his shoulders and and he prays and he says, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Is, is there another way? Can this be done some other way? But then he resolves and he makes this final decision and he says, but nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then he goes all the way to the cross and then feels this sense of abandonment, crying out, 
my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I think as we look at this passage, we can so sympathize and identify with where he was at that moment. Because all of us have been in those times where we felt like God wasn't there or we felt like we had been let down or we had been betrayed. And we have all the naysayers come around and they say, well, hey, it's your fault. You're, you're the reason why you're feeling like this. It's something you've done. Or they say, hey, it's Satan's fault. He's all to blame for this. Or hey, maybe even it's God's fault. God is the one who's orchestrating this whole thing. And, and there's truth in all of those. But I think that's often too simplistic of an answer. I think really the answer for difficult times is given to us in the wisdom literature of the Old Testament, in Psalms and Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Job, Song of Solomon. Last year I did this whole study of the book of Ecclesiastes, and one thing we find there is that the writer of Ecclesiastes is really trying to figure out why good things happen sometimes to bad people and why bad things happen sometimes to good people and why did there seem to be these exceptions to the rule. It's like we know if you live a righteous life, good things are supposed to happen. If you live a bad life, bad things are supposed to happen. That's a general rule. But the writer of Ecclesiastes was seeing all of these exceptions and he wrestles with it. He wrestles with it. And, you know, I think the answer at the end of all of that is just this. We don't have the wisdom to figure out why. All we need to do is trust. That's why at the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, he said the, 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 the sum of the matter is this. Fear God and keep His commandments. God is in control. See, our issue is we have a limited perspective on trials. We don't see the full plan. We just see part of the issue. Like in the book of Corinthians, Paul said in chapter 13, verse 9, he said, For we know in part and we prophesy in part. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am also known. So God sees the end from the beginning, but we only see the circumstances that we're in right now in the here and now. God is like a great conductor of a parade. He's up on top of a building, so to speak, and he can see the end of the parade from the beginning of the parade because he has a different perspective. We're down on the streets and we have a street view and we just see each little thing as it comes by us on the street in the parade, but God sees all of it. So we need to take heart in that and realize that while we're going through trials and even though we may feel forsaken at, time, at times, God sees the end of the thing and he's got our best in mind, for he does work. As the NIV says of Romans 8, 28, God works all things together for the good of those who love him, or God is in the midst of everything that happens to us. Hallelujah. So what was happening on the cross? Well, first of all, Jesus was being, Jesus was being forsaken to an extent because he became sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21 said, For He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. He actually became our sin on the cross. Because of that, the Father couldn't look on Him. Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 13 says, You are of purer eyes than to behold, and cannot look on wickedness. So it's like the Father had to turn and allow the Son of God to, to 
undergo all of that, carry all of that hatred, all of that sin, all of that jealousy, all that envy, all that lying, everything that we had ever done, he carried it on himself at the cross. Second thing is happening is that he is taking all of that so you and I could be forgiven. 1 Peter 2.24, He bore our sins in His own body on the tree that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. So He was being forsaken so that I could be forgiven. He was walking through the loneliest walk I think any human being has ever walked so you and I could have the presence of God. So this bridge could be uh, uh, restructured, so to speak, back to God so that now we could have perfect relationship with the Father. We could know Him as the God who forgives all sin. We could know Him as the God who is always there. We could know Him as the God of peace, the God of healing, the God of presence. All because of what Jesus did on the cross. A great exchange happened. He exchanged His righteousness for our sin. And now He's imputed that to us and wiped away our sin debt. And now we're clean because of the work on the cross. Hallelujah. So that lonely cry, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was done for you and I. May the Lord bless you, may he keep you, may he make his face shine upon you and give you peace in Jesus' name.